thread. A singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org. Thread. Hi, this is Chuck Quinley. Welcome back to Thread. This is episode 35, and my house is full of happy noise. We've got all of our kids back home. Kristen came in from Bolivia, and she's here for Sherry's 50th birthday. And Nathan and Jessica came in from their studies in the USA, put their college on hold for six months, and they're going to enter the next intake of our media and leadership school, which is called Media Light, and that school starts in September, at the end of September, so they'll stay till the end of the year. And when Kristen finishes her term at the orphanage where she works, she'll come back also in October, so for the end of the year. So we're back to a full nest. We were empty nested, and now we're pretty much full nested. We had, we'd gone from six down to two kids, and one was about to leave us. So we're readjusting and enjoying the big family once again. Well, if you don't have your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 10. Go get you a Bible. We're going to be in Mark chapter 10 talking about the power of money in our life. And when you've raised a family as large as mine, teachings like this go a long way. So get your Bible and come right back for Thread. All right, just to review, the last story that we covered was from Mark chapter 10, verse 17, where Jesus encounters someone that commentators have always called the rich young ruler. Uh, we don't know what he ruled over, but we do know he was wealthy, he was young, and he was a very earnest man about his spirituality. He came to Jesus saying, what can I do to make absolutely certain that I am righteous and that I am given second life after this life. So now, you know, insurance is very important to him because he's got a lot to lose. And the scripture said that Jesus loved this young man. He could see the sincerity of his search. And he told him, actually, you're only lacking one thing. I know you've been very diligently keeping all the commandments, but the big commandment about God being first, uh, that one has escaped you. You've only got one thing to do, but here's the thing. Sell absolutely everything that you have and give it away. Give the money to the poor. Just randomly find poor people that need help. Give them your money. End up with zero. Then come join me and be my disciple. And I'll take care of you, basically. And the man went away. Verse 22 says he went away very sorrowful, full of sorrow. And now I heard... Uh, all my life growing up, a statement that goes kind of like this. Money is morally neutral. It's neither good nor bad. It has no power. It's just you know what you allow your heart to do with money that makes it a good or a bad thing in your life. But Jesus, teachings of Jesus would find that a very naive view of money. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God and fell. The great powers behind our world fell also and became part of the the revolt against God. Money was no longer safe. Material things were no longer safe. Sex is no longer safe. And power is no longer safe. God in, God uh, created all of these things. Uh, the material world, uh, 
our sexual interaction with each other as men and women, uh, and the role of authority and power in the world. But all of these have been twisted and filled with uh, spiritual forces that cause them to be um, uh, used primarily against God and against the kingdom of God, against the rule of God. And that's what this lesson is all about. You know, to say money is morally neutral, Jesus would say, what planet are you from? Look at what money does. Money has power all by itself. Possessions have a power to possess. You know, he's, t- he's teaching everybody that the kingdom of God is present, is present right now. And this man has attempted to enter the kingdom of God. And as he attempted to enter the kingdom of God, he was welcomed into the kingdom of God. The king stood there with his arms open and welcomed this man to leave his world, leave his little K kingdom, and enter the big kingdom of God, the eternal kingdom of God, where God is ruler and everything goes the way God wants it to go for our lives and for his glory. And he's been welcomed into this, but here's a man that when he faced that decision, he would not shift his trust to the king over his own material possessions. That was the dilemma facing this man. He had to choose to put 100% faith and trust in somebody. And Jesus said, the father is the one. Bow, give up all your stuff, come before the father. And he will not do it. He walks off. But he walks off not full of joy, not contented. He walks off sorrowful because the material things in this world do not have the power to give us happiness. They do not have the they do, they do not have the ability within them to fill us with joy. They don't have that. That's not what they're about. And Jesus looks around, he sees his disciples, verse 23, and he says to them how hard it is for those who already have possession of wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Now, notice Jesus did not bargain with this man. He does not lower his commitment. He doesn't say, okay, wait, 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 don't walk off. I'm, I'm, I'm just testing you. Let's try 10%. Will you promise to tithe? He doesn't say anything. He just, it's, you see, with God, and to enter relationship with God and relationship and enter his kingdom, it's all or nothing because the foot of the cross finds every one of us naked. We have nothing, and our hope is to end up with nothing but God. And if we do that, we will find that God alone is more than enough. But you can't come to God with stuff. You just come. You come humbly. You come contrite. You come with repentance. You come uh, poor. Jesus called it being poor in spirit. You come poor in spirit to the Father and you bow yourself down and naked at the foot of the cross, you ask Him for righteousness. You ask Him for pardon. You ask Him for forgiveness. You ask Him for adoption. You ask Him for provision. And He gives all of these things to us. We become not just uh, slaves in His kingdom. I mean, that would be enough. If you could be a servant of God, think of how well God would treat His servants. Uh, But he does not even invite us to become his servants. He invites us to be sons and daughters of his. At the foot of the cross, blood of Jesus wiping away our sins and opening the door 
to a direct relationship with the Father. Now, the Scripture said that Christ loved this man. He's not uh, neutral about this man. He doesn't feel antagonistic to this man. He, is, he feels an emotion. He feels a love toward this man. But he's watching this man in his agony because he's faced with this decision, which really is the central issue in his life. And Jesus, as a good spiritual counselor, has gone right to the central issue. He's not wasting time talking about anything else. And uh, this man is now having to face this issue. Can you live without your money? Can you live without the posture of being the wealthy man, without everybody opening the door for you and giving you what, uh, you know, you always get your way, your friends are in high places. Can you live without all that stuff? Can you be a man in Christ? Can you be a child of the Father and the man? You can't. But, you know, this is like uh, what we said before. You know, in movies and in life, uh, you do not know a character by their words. You only know them by their actions, and especially their actions under pressure. The decisions that they make in the crisis moments of their life, when it's all or nothing, and then it's watch what they do. You know, that's the moment that actually creates their character. It's when we are defined as men and women. You know, who, who am I? If someone asks me, you know, Chuck, who are you? I really can't answer that question myself. I can't just say, well, I'm a guy like this and this. The answer to the question, who is Chuck Quinley, lies in my history. You just trace me back and you look at my decision moments. When I faced, like this rich young ruler, when I faced those kinds of moments, what did I do? That's who I am. That's the truth about who I am. And this man is bound by his blessings. And really, I've pondered this before, too. It's the problem with blessings. And it's kind of a, you know, as they say, catch-22 situation. God wants to bless his children. He's so generous. He's so lavish. And he has given us these things to enjoy. And so we get these things, we enjoy them, but something in us, you know, latches on to them. And the more that God blesses us, the more money that we have, the more we get to travel, the more luxury and comfort is in our life, the more we can avoid hard manual labor, the more, you know, we're cushioned against um, just random things that can happen to us and set us back because we've always got a little extra money. We've got, you know, the things that money can provide for us. The more we get into that, and it's the good, you know, quote, the good stuff in life, and you're being blessed with that, but those blessings have a, I don't know, they, they weaken us somehow, and they spoil us, and they trap us into the need of having too much. And Jesus is able to, he's able to have, you know, that really cool coat that he has that's somehow woven without a beginning or an end, and when the soldiers see this coat when he's executed, they... They want it. It's special. So he can have a, you know, some special possessions. He can receive from other people. He can give to other people. You know, he is using, he's receiving the material world. He's giving material things. He just flows with it. He's not latched onto it. He enjoys it, tastes good. He enjoys everything about it, but he doesn't let it get him. But this man has been trapped. He's had too much for too long. And he can't walk away from it.
we need to ponder that sometimes. You know, if the Lord told me, walk away from it, can I do it? Could I sell absolutely everything? And uh, this gets harder the older you get. Uh, could I sell everything I have, not put it in any account, give it away, not even put it away from my children, give it away, totally give it away, and start again at zero? Will I do that? Could I do that? Who would I be if I started again like that? You know, what kind of, who would I be as a person? What would that do to me and for me? Well, this is a paradigm shift teaching. The disciples are stunned. Verse 24. The Bible's going to say this over and over again. They were astonished. And Jesus repeats himself. Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. They're so astonished because, you know, they want these things. And in their culture, they were told that those who have a lot of things have uh, gained the approval of God. They've done enough of whatever, and God himself has made them wealthy. So that's how you know the ones God really, really loves even more than the others. And it's a wrong teaching, and Jesus says. Uh, and he, he helps to define it, that the issue with wealth is about trust. It's about trusting. Can you trust the Father? Could you just believe that God will make it work out for you? It will take all your worry away if you can just have that one. So he comes back to the teaching again. Verse 25. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Eye of a needle. Now, this means one of two things. Either one, it means exactly what it says. And he's just saying impossible. Wealthy people can't be saved. Or he means something Extreme, but not quite that extreme. Uh, in their city walls, and if you've been to the, any, you know, we're in the Middle East or the ancient world for that matter, they fortified themselves against an army rushing against them. So they had these walls all the way around, and the only way to make it good is there aren't many ways in. So there's usually you know, a big way on a large town would have you know, a big way in one side, a big way out the other side. But uh, you know, people on foot and people with just small loads they didn't want to have to go all the way around the city wall. So they had some small places in the wall that one person could squeeze through. You might could squeeze a small animal through, but you, it wasn't a door. You know, it was too narrow to even be a door. And if you wanted to take a big camel through something like that, it was going to be a torturous process. First thing, though, you were going to have to take everything off of this camel. He couldn't have a, a backpack, a saddle. He couldn't have any other things on him. You had to get him down on his knees with a ring through his nose, go to the other side of the wall, get yourself through it, then pull that ring, and he was going to have to, on his knees, hobble forward, you know, skinning against the wall, and it was not going to be fun. And uh, there's, it's probably going to take a long time, a lot of crying and screaming and people having to whack the animal from behind and keep him motivated to move because he can't stay there. He'll just die. But, you know, it's, it's an extreme action to get that big camel squeezed through that little spot. But, you know, I think that's what he's saying. That's what, it, that's what you have to go through. In order to have a lot of wealth, a lot of things, and then come to God because you are trusting in those things, 
you're going to have to have those things stripped off of you. Again, verse 26, they were greatly astonished and said, well, Lord, then who can be saved? Now, I've got a study Bible. It's the Spirit-Filled Life Study Bible, and they allowed Charles uh, Fred Price to uh, write the commentary on this verse, and I think it's so telling. Uh, first, he says, he could not let go of those material things, not even for eternal life. Okay, good commentary. Now, listen to this sentence. There is no reason to doubt that if he had let those material things go, Jesus would have told him to keep them. What are you saying? I mean, he's just totally ignoring the, um, the passage because he can't deal with the possibility that God would make you give up your wealth. So much of his teaching is about wealth and having it, and this scripture, he just can't handle this. There's no reason to doubt. Well, there's not one reason to believe that this was just like a little test that Jesus was doing. This man had an issue, and it needed to be dealt with. And Jesus was standing there to open the door for the kingdom, but not without this camel going through the eye of a needle. See, I think this is a pretty big issue in the church because we've built whole uh, congregations, and there are people whose ministries, the whole ministry, is built upon basically envy and greed, you know, that God and money and we're, God's going to get you more money and you can claim this and you can hold on to that and trust God. To, it's always got to be a bigger and a better and a wealthier. And it's like, well, Jesus is not buying into that. He's challenging that. And he's challenging it in front of the disciples to say, there's nothing about being wealthy that makes you wealthy with God. There's nothing advantageous in the kingdom about having more, actually, it's a problem. He says, you know, the disciples are just amazed at this whole concept because they thought, you know, the poorer you are, the harder it is to serve God. The more you have, the easier it gets, and the more evidence that is that God is actually really there on your side working for you and working with you. And Jesus says, no, it's actually one of the biggest obstacles to salvation would be a mass of material things. He said it's almost impossible for these people to come to Christ. And I mean, that's the whole, you know, as you would say, that's the whole American dream he's holding up and he's saying this thing is flawed. Um, you know, in his heart, he will, he will tell them his teaching in the heart says you may not pile up for yourself mountains of riches. Uh, you may not pile it up. He didn't say don't pile it up unless your heart is good. He just said you can't make large piles of stuff because where your stuff is, that's where your heart will be also. So you need to invest your money. You need to invest it in kingdom purposes. I mean, um, we know God wants to take care of us, and God will take care of us, and to own your house, and to have the things that, you know, he's going to bless you with all of those. But I'm just saying uh, the whole idea that bigger is better, more is better, uh, wanting more has destroyed a lot of marriages and destroyed a lot of really wonderful lives. And if they had stopped at some level, they could have had a very comfortable life and been happy every day. But they just kept grasping more, higher, bigger, better. It's got to be the top. It's got to be, you know, and the luxury thing just gets in you. And it's a spiritual poison. And he's addressing that, and disciples are amazed at all this. Anyway, uh, they say, well, Lord, who, who can deal with this? Who could be saved? And he says, with God, it's possible. Um, and praise God, with God, all things are possible. Now, Peter's sitting there processing this, 
and his mind is still spinning. And then it hits him, and he says to the Lord in verse 28, you know, we face this same situation, only we said yes to you. We have left all. And Jesus said, as surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house, brothers, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children's lands, but with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. That thing that this man is seeking for, Jesus says, if you'll give it up for me, lay down uh, your self-driven, self-centered existence, serve me, even if sometimes serving the Lord actually costs you something. It might cost you a promotion because in order to get it, you have to compromise. Uh, you know, there are things that sometimes we, we cannot and should not have. And he says, if you're willing to lay those things down, I promise I will take care of you. Kingdom blessings are all around you. And the Lord has promised material care for everyone who enters the kingdom. And he tells us that we can rest under God's rule. We don't have to feel stressed about finances. We don't have to feel burdened and uh, that we're always on this treadmill and you know the whole thing that gets us into debt. And he's saying, you know, you can rest from this. Stay under God's rule, but there is a cost. If you're going to be in the kingdom, there are times you are going to have to pay a price. Be true to God. He will take care of you, he said, a hundred times what you could do for yourself. And I don't think he's uh, just uh, applying a mathematical formula. But, you know, I know in my life and in Sherry's life, we've had so many amazing days and experiences, and you would think we were, you know, gazillionaires. And uh, we might have had very little money, but it's just uh, the amazing experience that we had. It can be, oh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've already shared this one, so I didn't know I'd share it again. But uh, when we were in Jamaica, we were so cash broke. I mean, really, really. We went through about five years like that. Um, so maybe our first 10 years of marriage, we were extremely tight. But we went down to a beach. We were in Jamaica serving in the ministry. We went down to a fishing beach. This is an ugly beach. It wasn't, I mean, it's pretty to look at, but you would never go swimming there because uh, it's a working area. But we went down. We just had, I don't know, something like $5. And we found the fishing mama. She was like the, the master of all fishermen there. They all sold her catch to her. And then um, she would sell it to the hotels for them. Um, so we went to her and we, we said, you know, you say mother to older ladies, you know, mother, we've got this much money. Can we get, can we get two lobsters? And she said, sure you can. So she sent a boy out into the water and he waded out into the sea and pulled up the, uh, the basket there and pulled out two big lobsters, came back to shore with them. They got a can of what had been uh, cooking oil, like a big can, a five-gallon can. Got that thing boiling with salt water in it and uh, put those lobsters down in it, shoved banana leaves on top of it, let it come to a good boil. A uh, little boy ran down the beach to a place that had Cokes on ice, and they poured them into plastic bags and stuck straws in it for us. And uh, we sat there on that beach, and we tore those lobsters in half, and we drank those Cokes, and we watched the sun go down, and we didn't have a care in the world. And, you know, that is one of the happiest days 
of my life. And it didn't take a five-star hotel to know that I was living in absolute luxury and that I was a child of God and that he was taking care of us. And we were eating lobster, just like the people that paid a hundred dollars a plate for it in the five-star hotels. You know, the Lord is going to take care of his people and we have to be careful that we don't allow our fascination with this world's goods and the whole advertising industry constantly pushing messages to make us uh, discontented with the things we do have and always want something bigger and nicer and shinier. Accept what you have as a gift from God. Thank Him for it. Embrace it. Embrace His kingdom. Serve Him with all your heart and see if He doesn't take care of you so much more than you ever dreamed, than you ever dreamed. But, you know, as Jesus is talking about the blessings of the kingdom and about how in the end it's all going to be tallied up and nobody, God owes no one. In the end, God has paid everybody back a hundred times anything anyone does. But then there's this curious ending on this passage, verse 31. He says, but understand that many who are first in this life will be last. And many who are last will be first. And that's something to ponder too. There are some people that in this life, they may never get adequately rewarded for all that they do for the Lord and for other people. They are faithful. And you know these people. You've met them. I've met them. And uh, you know I will applaud them as God gives them their amazing rewards because I know how pampered I am in so many ways. And I've watched others of his servants that I look at what they receive in their life. It's just so simple. And uh, I know that in their heart, they're contented also. But there's a day coming when the Lord is going to fix things. And all those who were never adequately rewarded in this life, they receive everything that's coming to them. And those who maybe were a little over-rewarded find it all balanced out in the end. So, my friends, let's live with eternity in view. Use money. Use it as a tool. It's an amazing tool. Jesus taught so much about money. But let's not love money, and let's not let money drive our decisions in life. Thanks for tuning in. And if you'd like to write me directly, you can use my personal email, chuck at quinley.com. I would love to hear from you. God bless. Thread, a singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to emergenetwork.org. Thread.